welcome to fall in Colorado. This, for those of you who haven't experienced this before, this is what it's like. Isn't it gorgeous? You don't think it's gorgeous? Oh, man. <clears throat> you could be in the Midwest where it's just starting to get cloudy. As for me and my house, good. I'm, I'm glad that sounds unanimous to me. Uh, it's our privilege to have Dr. Stelting minister the word to us. I know that you've met him in a number of places, uh, but would you just give him a round of applause? He's had a long week. <laughs> and, it's, and it's only Wednesday. Well, while you're standing, let me read my text to you. Actually, it's uh, two verses. The first taken from Deuteronomy, chapter 34, verse 9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. And the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And the second one is from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 21. The angel of the Lord had appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, And Mary will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. As for me and my house, serve the Lord. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Ah, Father, again and again, we, as we wander through this life, we encounter people and we exchange names. And that's so important. But there was that time when we met him the Lord of heaven and earth, King of kings and Lord of lords. And we exchange names in an even greater sense when he took our name as part of those for whom he died and rose again, that we might be justified and born again. Ah, thank you. And we, in the exchange, took his name and now Lord with the power of what's in a name would that power be the power we find in the name of Jesus precious precious Lord amen, amen. you may be seated well you know there's a puzzle here don't you about about the name Joshua, there's a, there's a, do, do you like puzzles? I like puzzles. My wife likes puzzles. She likes, she likes mysteries. She watches something called Midsummer Murders. Do, do you watch Midsummer Murders? It's on the, on the biography channel and it's a, about this little town in, um, in England where at least once a week someone is murdered. Uh, it's a great place to stay away from as near as I can tell. 
bit, bit like a hospital. When you, when you consider how many people die in a hospital, it's a good thing to stay away from those places, near as I can tell. But, but there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's a, a puzzle here uh, about a name. L let, me, let me give you one of my favorite puzzles. And uh, if the sermon gets boring, you can just think about this puzzle, and afterward you can tell me the answer to that. Uh, it, it seems that in the, uh, in the, in the old, old West, uh, a preacher, a circuit-riding preacher, was given the assignment to uh, stake out a new territory, build a church in this little frontier town. And um, his, uh, his immediate supervisor told him, okay, it's your job to go in there and, and, and make a church, and, and, and you need to find out who the church people are. And the preacher said, well, who, how do I know? He said, well, he said, there are only two sorts of people in this town. He said, there are the people that are so bad that they lie all the time. In fact, they cannot tell the truth. They always lie. And, and the other people are good people. They're, they are so good, in fact, that they, that they tell the truth. They always tell the truth. They cannot lie. They, they always tell the truth. And the preacher said, my job then is to build a, a church and I need those truth-telling folks to do it. His, his bishop or whoever it was said, yeah, that's, that's it. So, so into the town rode the, rode the preacher and he sat down and said, okay, now what am I going to do? So he walked up to a, a couple of people, person one and person two. Here's the puzzle. You ready? He, uh, he uh, looked at person number one and said to him directly, are you a truth-teller or are you a liar? And the, the man said something and the preacher didn't hear him. So he turned to the second person, person number two, and said, what did he say? And the second person said, oh, he said he was a truth teller. Now on the basis of that, the preacher knew immediately which of those two persons was a truth teller and which was a liar. What was the second person? That's the puzzle. You think about it. And if you need me to give it to you again, I'll give it to you again, but not, not now. I have something else to do. It's, it's a puzzle, you see, a puzzle about, about names. Well, well there's, a, there's a puzzle here about names. Uh, um, in, in American society, we have largely lost the meaning of names. Oh, oh we, we're, we're, we're glad for them, but, but the names we have, uh, Tom, Mary, Betty, Billy, those are just labels that we give to people and we, we call them that. We, we don't really know their meanings. It's not, sometimes we'll look up the meanings, but we don't, we don't typically name our children, nor were we named because of the meaning of the name itself. Um, there, there, are, there are meanings. For example, my wife's name is Pamela. I looked this up. Pamela is from a Greek word meaning honey. <laughs> oh, is that something? I, I like that. And then here's, here, here's the one I've just been waiting to tell you. My name is Donald. Oh, I, this, this is great. Donald is a Celtic name that means, oh, you're going to like this. It means world conqueror. <laughs> I'm just glad my mother didn't tell me that which, when I grew up. I, I, we, we all have meanings, but we don't pay a lot of attention to it. In, in biblical times, and in many places in the world today even, people choose a name for their child because they want that child to be what the name 
means. Pretty simple. Sometimes, sometimes the name is changed because the, the name needs to be changed to reflect what that person has become. Uh, Joshua, for example, you know this, this fellow who at the end of the book of uh, Joshua uh, said, as for me and my house, uh, yeah, that Joshua. His first name, his original name was Hoshea, uh, which, um, which meant saved or savior. And, and it didn't just mean it in a, in a sort of a wimpy sort of a way. It, it meant it with vigor and vitality. Saved. I kind of like that. You know? You're a Christian, yeah. Well, what does that mean? Well, I mean I'm, I'm saved. I, I think the word saved has been, has been lost too much among us. Saved is a good word. I know it has been laughed at by uh, people outside the Christian community. So I guess we ought to just let them laugh. Because we need to say it emphatically. Saved. But when, but when Moses, we're not sure exactly when Moses met Joshua. Joshua was born in Egypt itself and was part of the, uh, the, uh, the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt. But sometime in that whole process, uh, Moses became aware of Joshua and uh, gave him a new name. He called him, uh, well, a, a derivative which we pronounce as Joshua. It means God is Savior. And I like that even better. Because not only does it say something about what God has done for us, it emphatically says that God is the one who did it. Because I think it's great. I think it's great when what we do points back to God. In fact, if we would just learn to witness by telling people how many wonderful things God has done for us. Um, filling up gas at a gas station once and a lady on the other side of the pump said, how's your day going? Oh, I said, I have God to bless me and he has given me a blessed day. And she blinked a couple times and said, oh yeah, sure. And that was the end of that. <laughs> but at least she got that much. At least she got that much. And I, I, think, I think that's an awfully easy way uh, to testify and let people know what God has done for us. But uh, there are some things about Joshua that we need to understand. Because I have already given you the two verses that are very important. First of all, that Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. And then we turned around and said, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I, I, I know that by now all of you remember that our word Jesus is the anglicized form of the Latinized form of the Greek form of the Aramaic form of the Hebrew name Joshua <laughs> which is itself sort of an anglicized use of the Hebrew word Jehoshia but that's okay you, you don't need to remember, remember anything in between what you need to remember is that when God chose to name his son when he sent the angel down and said his name shall be he didn't say Jesus, the angel said his name shall be Joshua Yeshua that's what his name shall be, why? because he will save his people from their sins what a wonderful thing 
what a wonderful thing that in his very name he carried the message of his life when he walked. And we want to do that too. So let me, uh, let me talk to you a little bit about some of the pathways of this puzzle. Why, why did God choose to name his only begotten son? The Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Why did he choose to name him after this man, Joshua? Well, the first one we've already mentioned. But let's go ahead and put it down as number one. It's because of the meaning of the name. Meanings of names are not lost on God, nor are they lost on people around us. We're so good at, at, at giving labels to people. And pigeonholing people. I, I once sat down and decided that for all those people who like to say that people either are this or they're that dividing everybody into one of two camps well here's here how about this one that there's only one kind of Christian and that is weak Christians but all weak Christians can be divided into two categories weak Christians who know they're weak and weak Christians who think they're strong but the amazing thing is that it's the the weak Christians who know they're weak that are really strong and the, the weak Christians who think they're strong that are really weak. You like that? Well, that's brilliant. I know. I know you're taking notes. Just you can hardly get past this. Uh, we do need to give this the number one priority. Jesus' name means Savior. It means that. Oh, I know it means that because we have come to know him as Savior. But he was Savior before we came to know him. We'll get to this point a little bit stronger in just a minute. Now, number two. And this is the fun part of the sermon. I like, you've not been having enough fun yet. So here comes. The fun part of the sermon is something that is referred to as typology. Now, typology is not, is not big things, but it was back when I went to college. We went through the Old Testament and even parts of the New Testament to find types of Jesus. Okay, you're scratching your head. Some of you are. Um, a type means some person or event that foreshadowed Jesus. For example, Jonah was a type of Jesus because he spent three days in the dark belly of the whale and Jesus spent three days in the bowels of the earth. That's, that's, that's typology. Jesus was foreshadowed. Well, New Testament scholars since the time of Justin Martyr have been playing around with this idea of Joshua and Jesus. Joshua being a type of Jesus. Let me, let me read you a few things that I got from the pulpit commentary. Um, G, Joshua was a type for Jesus because of these five points. And I actually I got nine, but I'll start with five. Number one, <laughs> listen, I didn't have to take math here. <laughs> Number one, Jesus began his life by sharing the sufferings of his brethren in Egypt. So, Jesus took upon him the form of a servant and shared the lot of his brethren. Okay, good. That, that, that's one. Number two, the imperfect work of Moses was taken up and completed by Joshua. In a far greater sense, it was taken up and completed by Christ. The law was perfected in the gospel. Oh, I like that. That's good. This, this is starting to warm up a little bit. Number three, in accordance with their common name, both saved the people given them by the Father from their enemies. Number four, both went forth conquering and to conquer, and both conquered after being at first 
apparently defeated through the sins of others. And number five, Joshua brought the chosen people into the promised land and gave them rest and a home in it. Jesus brings the elect into the kingdom prepared for them and gives them rest and an eternal home in the many mansions of the Father. Amen. That's good. Now, there were, there were some other, four other points that they brought forth, which are a bit more metaphorical, but, but they're also kind of nice. Number six, both entered in on their ministry on the banks of the Jordan. Hadn't thought about that, had you? Number seven, under Joshua, the passage of Jordan as the road to the land of promise was freed from danger and difficulty. The river of death by which we must enter into our rest has been robbed of its terrors by Christ. And I say hallelujah. Number eight, the 12 stones taken from the bed of the Jordan and set up as witnesses to the people of their deliverance may represent the 12 living witnesses of his resurrection and of our deliverance through his resurrection appointed by Christ. And number nine, Joshua, when he had completed his work, ascended the mountain of Ephraim and dwelt in sanctuary from his enemies. Jesus, having finished the work which the Father gave him to do, ascended up on high and sat down on the right hand of God the Father, and from thenceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, and it will happen. Praise his name. You know what? There's a lot about Joshua and Jesus. You've got to say, well, there's something about this here. The, the beauty of this is the fact that when Jesus went forth to ministry, he was carrying the momentum with him already because of the name that God had given him. Now, please understand, there were other Joshuas living during the time of Jesus. There were others. But he has given that name meaning that is above all other meaning. And that brings me then to my final point tonight. And that is that Joshua... Uh, Joshua filled up the content of his name. Now here's where it turns into, into some real preaching. Because when I go to the Bible, I think you do too, I begin to look to see if I can find myself in the pages of the sacred text. Am I there? This is not just a story and a bunch of words and lessons taught out there to someone else and maybe I can learn a little something from them. The fact is, I am there. I am there. And when God spoke to others, he speaks to me. And when he shines the light of his Holy Spirit into other people's hearts, I find it going right to my heart as well. For you see that Joshua gave his name to Jesus and Jesus gave his name to us. So when we look at the ways that Joshua filled up the content of his name, let's remember that we are called to live up and fill up the content of the name that he gave us. You'll remember that uh, we have heard that we begins with me. And it's me we're talking to right now. Here's some things about Joshua. First of all, Joshua was a hearer in that very first chapter in the first few words of the book of Joshua all of a sudden the God who had spoken to Moses now was speaking to Joshua and Joshua listened I, I, have, I have often speculated that God's voice is not is not meant for me alone. 
that his voice cries out to everyone across the face of this earth. But Joshua was a hearer. And I want to be a hearer also. He heard the voice of God and with quiet strength he earned the right to be the voice of God to others. For when Joshua stood before the people and said, God spoke to me, they listened to him, the word tells us, as they had listened to Moses. Now, there, is, there is always the passing of the torch. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you a secret. I, I, I'm 61 years old. I'm having more fun today than I've ever had in my life. And, and I must confess to you that the blessings of God are real and they are certain they are steadfast and they keep they keep there were people that I listened to and I almost did not want to breathe because when they spoke I heard God's voice coming through them to me I want that to be true of me too I want it to be Joshua was a hearer. I want to be a hearer. I trust that you will be a hearer also. And thus, in quiet strength, earn the right to be God's voice to others. Number two, Joshua was ordained to have the spirit of wisdom. This is an Old Testament setting and even though there are many times in the Old Testament when it says that someone has the spirit of God, we understand I suppose that the day of Pentecost had not come and the Holy Spirit had not been poured out in that same way uh, beforehand. Though, though there were some, 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 some aspects analogous to that back then, I, I'm, I'm certain of that. But here it chose to say that he had the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. There was something miraculously God-given about this spirit of wisdom. And so when he spoke, it worked. You see, that's the difference between a false prophet and a true prophet. Is you wait a while and see which one's right. Joshua spoke. It worked. There was wisdom there. And people heard him. Uh, number three, Joshua was a man of singular purpose whose first commitment was to accomplish the task God set before him. Too many, too often, too many want to take what the job gives but are not willing to give what the job takes. We don't know a thing about Joshua's standard of living. We haven't seen his income tax returns. We don't know how much he earned. But it appears that here was a man who didn't ask, okay, what's in it for me? But when God said, this is the task I've set before you, go do it, 
He did it. Whatever the price took, he did it. That is moral courage and moral strength. He was that sort of man. Number four, and this is the last one, Joshua was persuasive. Our text from two weeks ago, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then he said, I don't know who you're going to serve. He said, you, you might want to serve those gods that you knew about 40 years ago back in Egypt. I think he paused, let it sink in. Do you, you want to serve those gods that couldn't keep you there? And when they had you, they enslaved you. You want those gods? Or he said, you can, uh, you can serve the gods of the Amalekites in whose land you are now living. And by saying that, he was reminding them that they were living in the land and the Amalekites were no longer living there. They left, and they left a few gods behind. He said, if you want to serve those gods, fine. But do you want to serve the kind of God that can't even keep their people in the land? But he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He was persuasive. I, I, I particularly like the fact that his argument was not based on Greek rhetorical categories. The kind of thing you learn in logic classes. I, I particularly like that because I think that one of the things about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Wesleyan way of looking at it, if I can put in that little, little uh, extra thing, the Wesleyan way of looking at it says that you can you can say what you want to say and you can reason what you want to reason but what makes the difference is when a man or a woman stands up and lives the life in a holy way we can have the best orators we want to and we need to have more of them there's nothing wrong with oratory or with argument or debating skills or good logic good thinking we need more of it amen but more than that we need men and women whose lives are so solid and firm and powerful and real and transparent and so many other words that stand up and live day after day after day in ways that are absolutely impossible by human strength. That can only be explained by the power of God at work in their lives. When that happens, people will put aside all of their arguments and they will say, whatever you've got, I want it to. That's the kind of man Joshua was. Because he said, as for me and my house, here's what we're going to do. And he did it. And all the people said, we will too. And so what about us? And that precious name, God's Savior, Joshua, Jesus, is now our name dare we do any less to fill up that name to make its contents powerful and visible and compelling do we dare do any less and the answer is oh no far be it for me to do anything else we will serve the Lord amen, amen. we're going to sing a song and then we will pray.
come on up and but I want you to grab your hymnals before we sing we'll do this song in a second and I need you to turn to 526 oh you don't have to stand Song? This is a sitting song at the moment. <laughs> this says what I wished the song that we're going to sing says. So I want you to read it with me. We won't learn it tonight. But read the words with me, would you? Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wonderful passion and purity... O thou spirit divine, all my nature refine, till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. Now, I want to change a word. Let the power of Jesus. Let the power of Jesus be seen in me. All his wonderful passion and purity. O thou spirit divine, all my nature refine, Till the power of Jesus be seen in me. And then let the name, let the name of Jesus be seen in me. All his wonderful passion and purity. O thou spirit divine, all my nature refine. Till the name of Jesus be seen in me. We have a Father that makes that possible. Well, let's bow for the benediction. And may this be, O oh Father, the benediction of our hearts, that the name we bear would be heard in your ear as the precious name of your Son, so that our life, our lives, might be the life of him today to a world who needs to see and hear. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.